Resistance, Chapter 47, April 25, 1943, Warsaw Ghetto. Kaya! I bolted upright, instinctively ready to take a swing at whoever was shaking my shoulder. Esther was crouched in front of me, with Yitzchak by her side. Both had smoke-blackened faces, but they were smiling to still see me alive. It was nothing compared to how I felt seeing them. You're both safe, I asked? Safe? Yitzchak tilted his head. You can't be serious with that question. The fires! They exchanged a glance, then looked back at me. Everything is burning, Yitzchak said. Now they're flushing out the bunkers by dropping poisonous gas grenades into the cracks. I leaned back against the tunnel wall and closed my eyes. It's over then? No, the fighting continues, Esther said, but we have our next set of orders directly from the top. We're going back to the beginning. That got my attention. What beginning? We're couriers, Esther said. We've done all we can inside this ghetto. Now it's time to get out and to take as many people with us as possible. I shook my head. It's different this time. The ghetto is surrounded. It'd be a miracle for any of us to find a way out. She took my hand and lifted me to my feet. Come on, Kaya, I'll show you. It's time. My eyes narrowed until I finally understood. Every day for a month, I've asked you if you've delivered that package, and you've said, I've said no, Esther smiled, until now, because you are the package to be delivered. I stepped closer to her, or more accurately, you are the package that will deliver us from this ghetto. She nodded and looked over at me as we walked. We're leaving through the sewer lines. They're a maze, and some lines have to be avoided because they carry too much water. But this is how I escaped the ghetto before. I know the way out. For the first time in days, hope seeped into me. Then let's go. Itzav climbed up into the street first to make sure everything was clear, then helped Esther up, and they both helped me. My leg was stiff and sore, but the injury was healing. It hurt to walk, but I was steadier on my feet than before. I could manage the sewers and I was determined to. However, once I was on the street, I forgot my leg entirely. The air was thick with black smoke, creating a morning like midnight. If we were careful, we could use the smoke to get from one place to another without being seen or burned. The roar of the flames was as loud as a train, and the heat was nearly unbearable. Gunfire could still be heard in echoes around the ghetto, so I knew some fighting continued, but most of the resistance seemed to have already collapsed. SS officers dotted the streets, staring up at buildings which were slowly crumbling to ash. I hoped no one had been taking shelter in them, believing they'd be safe, believing they'd survive right up until the moment fire shot through their windows. I wondered how many fighters and civilians had been killed on the street, how many survivors had yet to be flushed out from their bunkers. Those who already had been captured were here too, being divided just as I'd seen them last night. Some groups were lined up against a wall, Hands visible, heads down. Others were made to kneel on the stone street. Some there spotted us, then quickly turned away, unwilling to give us up. I was sure they hoped we had one last grenade or round of weapons to frighten the soldiers away and give these people a chance to to escape, but none of us did. Esther only let us out of their sight. Between the buildings where the smoke gathered thickest, I choked, my head already swimming from lack of oxygen. The scarf I had used before had disappeared somewhere, but Yiskov pulled some empty glass bottles from a bag he carried and pushed one up against his face. It's not a lot of air, he said through his jar, but it will help. It did help, a little. At least I wasn't directly inhaling smoke and ash and death. It helped enough to get us, onto a, get us to a sewer entrance on an abandoned street. The entrance was missing its manhole cover. One side or the other had probably 
used it during what appeared to have been intense fighting here. I hoped our side had used the heavy metal cover, and in the best way possible. Yitzkov offered to go down last, and when he did, I noticed he dragged a fallen tree branch over the open hole. It wasn't a perfect disguise for our escape, but it was better than nothing. Accessing the sewer line required a 12-meter descent down a rusted ladder, every step darker than the one above. The metal was cold and slimy in an immediate contrast to the suffocating fires above us, but it was no easier to breathe. The smell was worse than simple sewage. It was rot and decay and fetid air that smelled, felt like acid to my lungs. My leg protested the steady climb down, but I refused to fall or even let it buckle. Each bend caused it to scream with pain, though, and I hoped it would carry me through the darkness below. Twenty Jews were already waiting in the sewers when we arrived. Four men, seven women, and nine children. The only one I knew by name was Mr. Pilzer, the man who had worn the German uniform before. Only twenty, I mumbled. Twenty, Yitzhak said, but we are not the only group. There are others. These are ours to save. Esther stepped in front of us. Everyone listen carefully. The Nazis know about this route, so we must not do anything to alert them. No one talks or splashes or switches on any kind of light, not even for a blink. We'll travel in a single file line. Put one hand on the shoulder of the person ahead of you and keep your other hand on the sewer wall for balance. Beneath your feet, it will be rounded and slippery. Choose your steps carefully. This walk will take hours. If you cannot do this, then do not endanger the rest of us. Does anyone need to leave? I'd never heard Esther speak like this. Yes, I'd seen glimpses of this person over the past few months, but she was in charge now and she knew it. This Esther was going to lead us to freedom. I knew she would. The rest of the group seemed to trust her too, despite some of them no doubt having gossiped about her father before now. No one left. No one said a word. Then let's go, she said firmly. Esther took the lead and asked me to follow directly behind her. I knew it was because of my injured leg. She was worried that I might not make it. Frankly, so was I. It was already straining on the rounded paving stones. Yisaf would be last near the last of our group, and I didn't like that at all. When everyone was lined up together, we began to walk. Occasional bits of light filtered through in through other manholes, but they were few and far between, and here, still inside the ghetto boundaries, any light was darkened by the smoke above ground. Before we crossed beneath each manhole, Esther stopped us and looked up. Without her explanation, I understood. We didn't want to track a group of 23 people beneath a squadron of soldiers. One of them was sure to notice the movement or hear the soft splash of water. It was the sole reason that I was glad for the fires. They were loud enough to give us better cover than we otherwise might have had. It wasn't long before I lost track entirely of how fast we'd, how far we'd gone and where we might be in relation to the ghetto. We must still be inside simply based on the smoke that continued to trickle in. But whether we'd gone half a kilometer or three times that, I didn't know. At least everything was going smoothly. That is, until a cover opened behind us. A German-speaking soldier was midway through casual explanation of what he was doing, occasionally throwing a little poisonous gas in case there are any Jews. And a grenade dropped, trailing tendrils of poisoned white smoke. <laughs>